This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play back in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We wore the same shirt! Well, we're seven seconds in, and uh, we cleared that up. Doesn't happen often. Our BYU, we don't talk about this. Our BYU wardrobes are vast enough that we don't usually yeah. have to worry about I just, this. I just don't really like it when we wear the same shirt, you know? You know, this isn't a, a uniformed school, if you will. Well. Uh, Do we need to text in the mornings about wardrobe? Because I don't really no, want to. Okay, no. okay, okay. Because we don't text. We don't communicate about wardrobe. Oh. One less thing to do I just, in that regard is great. I just don't like it when we're in the same shirt. <laughs> you just look better than me. And, you're, and you smell like cinnamon. Your hair smells like cinnamon. Oh, boy. It is Thursday, June 18th. And, yes, we have the same shirts on wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with one-on-one basketball analyst, Jerem Jordan. Okay, let's break it down. We've got some footage here. So uh, it's Tyler versus TJ Haas. They're at home. The rim is like, uh, you know, seven feet no shoes. Tyler to the baseline. Oh, throws it down on TJ and the foul. Now, TJ was, I think, waiting. Oh, and look, there's Marty Haas, three of the uh, all-timers. Now, Tyler, the all-time uh, leading scorer, um, really gets TJ there. TJ takes the contact, but Tyler initiates it. And uh, that's an and one, man. That is an and one. I want that backyard. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> I'm guessing that's Marty's house. Can I, can I yeah. have that backyard? That's, yeah. You can. I bet they'll give it to you. I can't believe that TJ just let it happen so easily. TJ, listen, everyone thinks TJ is this, like, wild card, crazy guy, getting upset. Like, that's his personality in the games. He's, like, very feisty. He is the most chill dude off the court. He is extremely low-key off the court. Like, Tyler was very similar on the court than off. TJ is drastically different off. He is, like, super, you know, just low-key Kind, soft-spoken. On the court, he's like, yeah. which I, I kind of love. Yeah, he goes mad dog mode. Yeah, We're waiting for the dunk video from TJ over Tyler. Yeah, so TJ needs to respond. Let's, let's get on that. Here is today's show lineup. Will BYU basketball have a better team this year compared to last season's all-time crew? Excuse me? Yoli Childs had some interesting things to say about that yesterday. Plus, this is, that's a very hot take. One of the senior guards on the team is our deep blue feature today, Alex Barcelo, and our BYU football position preview with the running backs and their coach, Harvey Unga. Told you it's a loaded show. A potential starter at that position, Lopini Catola, will also join us, and the best to ever wear number 32. Is there any doubt who that is? No. I know who it isn't. (laughs) Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. The D1 NCAA Football Oversight Committee finalized its summer workout model for the season. Here it is. July 13th through the 23rd, players can participate in up to eight hours of conditioning, film review, and weight training. Then July 24th through August 6th, they can add walkthroughs and meetings up to 20 total hours a week. Then in the 14 days leading up to August 7th, uh, from August 7th on in fall camp, they're required to get at least two days off a week. And then they'll have the typical five-day acclimation period with up to 25 on-field practices so there is a plan now they're going to proceed it is this sort of extended fall camp it feels like they're going to do what they would have done in spring a little bit it sounds like with the acclimation period they won't have full pads until you know 
first or second week of August, it sounds like. So um, this is great. College football is happening. Yet we have yet to figure out, okay, what happens if someone gets, uh, you know, a, a positive coronavirus test and they've been exposed to a lot of the team? How are they going to dictate that? A lot of, a lot of things still have to be figured out. I'm confident they will, but here we go. Yeah, at what point do they say, hey, let's just ignore it and keep playing? Well, to play sports in general, you are going to ignore it to a certain degree, right? Of course, they're going to make sure no one has symptoms, no one has a temperature that's too high before they even engage in those. And that's what they're doing now with the voluntary workouts, right? But, uh, yeah, testing and thermometers and, and all of that will come into play for sure. How about this? BYU has formed a committee to examine race and inequality at the university. The purpose of the committee is stated in the following quote. The committee will first prioritize opportunities to better listen to and better understand the experiences of black students, faculty, and staff on campus to help inform adjustments and changes that can assist BYU in being a more safe and welcoming place for BYU's community members of color, end quote. There are currently eight appointed committee members, including Stephanie Perkins of Women's Track, that committee will meet for the first time this week. Hey, that's great. They're doing things to address, uh, you know, the issues and, and be better on campus. I'm all for this. I think this is fantastic. Okay, BYU's all-time dig leader Mary Lake is a 2019-2020 West Coast Conference Mike Gillian Scholar-Athlete of the Year award winner, recognizing athletes who excel in their sports as well as in academics, community service, and have completed their college uh, eligibility. Congratulations to Mary Lake. BYU golf alum Patrick Fishburne is back on the Corn Ferry Tour this week at the King and Bear Classic in St. Augustine, Florida. He's playing for the first time since March. Oh, sorry. You're too, you're too loud. Too loud. Too, too much excitement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I get the score, I'll go. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Information loud. True. Score quiet. Gotcha. Thank Fish, you, Anchor Boy. Fishburne is one under after day one and has scheduled the tee off for round two this afternoon. Okay. That was Jaron. Thank you. That was better. <laughs> I was more comfortable. Okay, back to normal volume. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. BYU basketball forever great. And NBA hopeful Yoli Childs clearly had an epic senior year and was part of one of the best BYU basketball teams ever. And yet he said this about the upcoming team and season. Ready yourselves for a hot take. I'm going to say it's a hot take. Most talented team that there's ever been at BYU. Whoa! Whoa! I know. Okay. <laughs> That's hot. I know. Hot take. <laughs> look, just go up and down the roster, and it's like – if they can put it together, it's going to be special. I'm excited. Jerem, very hot. This is a guy that Still just hot. played on the team that was pacing for a six seed in the yeah. NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. had knocked off number two Gonzaga, okay. had so many quality wins. Yep. He's essentially saying that that team's not going to be as good as this year's team. Will the upcoming BYU basketball team be better than last season? Uh, I hope so. Um, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's evaluate some things. Will they be higher than nine in net? Nine was amazing, okay? Will they beat Gonzaga at least once? Will they be at least a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament? If they can do that, then yes. I just don't. I, man, I see uh, some of those things happening. You know, I, like this team will be deeper than last year's team. And I think last year's team had some depth to it, right? You had Connor Harding coming off the bench, nailing threes, doing a good job. You had 
quality, right? But now BYU has, I think, more depth. We talked to Yoli and we've talked to Mark Durant this week about it. And uh, Mark Durant said, yeah, I think it's like a 8, 9, 10 kind of deep team, right? So that's exciting. Here, here's one thing that uh, BYU needs to figure out is I have Yoli Childs in the top 15 in BYU history. I, I have to lay this all out, but just spitballing. TJ Haas probably in the top 40, and then Jake Tilson probably in the top 65. If he had been at BYU the whole time, he's probably top 50, top 40 as well. Does BYU have a top 50 player on the roster right now in BYU history? You know what I mean? Maybe the collective is greater than the big three, if you will, perhaps. And maybe it's like, well, we, you have seven players in the top 200, and maybe that does the trick. I'm not sure. For BYU to be better than this last year would be pretty incredible. How do you gauge the effectiveness of what is perceived as balance of this upcoming team compared to having three all-time players on the same roster last year? Yeah. And BYU did this, mind you, with Yoli Childs sitting out double-digit games. 13 when all said and done. Jake Toulson was not fully healthy all season, and then TJ Haas did his thing, was super clutch, but they always had a clutch guy on the floor. We're not sure who that bucket getter is going to be on this year's team, but we think the balance and the overall depth and the overall talent as a collective unit is better for this team. So I'm, yeah, it's like hard the, to know how it will manifest itself compared to having three superstars leading the charge last year. Like, is the number four player on this year's team better than last year's number four player? And so on. I think that's where the conversation sits, probably with what Yoli's getting at. I don't think the top three players from last year are, uh, I, think, I don't think they're worse than the top. I think the top three are better than anyone on this team. You know what I mean? Um, but the collective could be greater than the whole. Like, the hive could thrive in that way. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I, <laughs> I just think it'd be hard to be top 10 net, beat Gonzaga, be a six seed again. But I'm not putting it past the team for sure, but to expect that? Yoli's calling a shot. It's, it's Babe Ruth out to center field right now. It's pretty aggressive. This team upcoming is good enough to be a single-digit seed in the NCAA tournament. I agree. I agree. But are they good enough to be top 10 in net rankings, be nationally ranked in the top 20, and be pacing as, at one point, BYU was pacing as like a four, maybe a five seed. They yeah. lost to St. Mary's and probably settled in as a six seed. Yeah. But, and Yeah. If they beat St. Mary's and they hang with Gonzaga, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I'm stoked about this team. Let's go, man. All right. Sound off if you feel like hashtag BYUSN and what we just talked about. Okay, coming up, Alex Barcelo's journey to BYU through the lens of deep blue. And our football position previews continue today with the running backs coach, Harvey Unga. Is he showing his own highlights to those guys? This is BYU Sports Nation. The running backs, y'all. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tomorrow, join us for a BYU Sports Nation special, the football all-decade team. It's tomorrow at noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. We'll do it live in Studio B, as in right now. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Hit it! The countdown to the youths. 77. 77 days away from September 3rd, BYU at Utah to kick off the 2020 college football season. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline to discuss that season opener and much more, specifically the running backs group, is the new BYU running backs coach, Harvey Ungo. Harvey! The all-time great to BYU. Harvey, great to have you with us on the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. All right, I said 77 days to the season opener. 
What's item number one on the agenda with 77 days to go? Win. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> Win. Hey, we, that's, I mean, there, there's so many things, especially like, I don't know, now with, with everything that's changed and everything going on, um, it's, I don't know, you can get sidetracked, I guess, a lot and, and kind of, I don't know, focus on a bunch of different things that um, may kind of stir you one way or the other. But in, in the end, like, end goals win. And and we have one team, you know, that we're playing our first game against and, and um, you know, just focusing on beating those guys and, and playing the best game that we can. And, and yeah, really, really more than anything, I think a lot of the guys are, are starting to focus on themselves more than anything. I think they um, they realize they, they definitely have the talent to play against, you know, some of these really tough teams on the schedule. Um, but looking back at the season and stuff, I think a lot of, a lot of those close games and games that, that um, we had lost um, weren't necessarily the other teams being more dominant or just, you know, or beating us because, you know, they're much better. A lot of it was mistakes that we made and, and I guess self-inflicted wounds. So um, we, we got some good players coming back, a lot of good leaders on, the, on this team. And um, it, it's been fun to see, like, you know, the growth from just a little bit of spring that we had. You can tell these guys have, they're taking uh, a step in the right direction as far as, you know, capitalizing on last season and, and trying to fix those mistakes and taking it on themselves really to just get better. Um, I want to dig into the running backs some more, but first I want to ask you this. So you were on the roster 06 09. 06, you end up redshirting, even though you get in the Tulsa game and score a touchdown. People forget, but I remember. Um, so six, that's a win against Utah. Seven, that's a win against Utah. Oh, wait, that's a loss. Oh, nine, that's a win. You were a part of three wins against Utah. Yet here we are sitting on a nine-game losing streak. Is there anything crazy or special or different that needs to happen to beat Utah? Um, I think with, with that game, it's man, it's so weird because you, um, you you tell yourselves not to get too emotionally involved, but you can't help it. Like it, just the rivalry and everything, it takes it to a whole other level, and and I think majority of those wins majority all of the wins that we had during those years it um i noticed we we came into the game not with i don't know the the like a a vengeance or some kind of like anger towards those guys um it was more of a confidence about ourselves and what we were capable of instead of letting our emotions get the best of us and and um i think to me if, if these guys can Really, like I said, it just play poised, um, and and when it comes down to crunch time, just just keep focusing on our our team and ourselves and what we're trying to accomplish and and what we're trying to do as far as you know schematics and everything like that. We'll we'll be fine. We'll be just fine. The number two all-time leading rusher in BYU football history and current running backs coach Harvey Unga with us on BYU Sports Nation. Speaking of the rivalry, now you have Devontae Henry Cole come from Utah to BYU. Well, well, well. There's an added level of uh, intrigue to this matchup this year. He's a guy that BYU fans are very excited about. Um, What kind of impact do you expect run DHC to have at BYU? Well, the the cool thing about him is obviously he understands their defense. He he knows... (laughs) Intricate, you know, ins and outs of their defenses, you know, certain plays 
you know, work against them, certain plays don't, um, where to attack certain runs and, and in the past game, you know, certain routes and stuff like that, route concepts, he, he, um, he understands well. So the, that side of, you know, the game, he, he definitely helps out a ton. But um, one of the things that I, I really admire about the kid is just over the past few weeks, getting to know him and, and diving into um, our offense, super mature, like just really, really hungry down to earth. And, and just every, every day he's, he's trying to learn and, and soak everything in. And um, I, I appreciate that a ton, especially, you know, for, for some of the younger backs, um, it, it's good to see that kind of leadership and, and somebody that has uh, that, that type of maturity coming in. It, it definitely helps out a ton. Let's talk about some of the other guys in the room as well. Lots of experience returning. Lopini Katoa has been here for two seasons. He's a junior. Sione Finau had a nice couple of games there before a torn ACL. I want to ask you about an update on him as well. And then Jackson McChesney returns as well in that room. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, the, I think one of, one of the other guys too that's a sleeper is Tyler Algier. Um, oh, th- yeah, thank you. I totally missed, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's great, like, Obviously, through the last couple of years, we've kind of noticed um, the the running backs have, towards the end of the season, our room gets a little slim. Um, but now, obviously, with DHC and, and Beanie and Tyler and McChesney, um, it, it just there's there's a, a lot more depth, and and um, each each of those guys have had, you know, quite a bit of experience, and and I think now coming into this season, having that experience, um, the maturity level definitely bumps up a lot. It, it helps out a ton. And, and like you said, with Sione too, I, I think there's there's a lot of different dynamics with each of the running backs and what they bring to the table. Um, so it'll, it'll be fun to see. And, and during spring, we um, we bumped over Jackson Kalfusi as well too to, to come and, and play running back as well. So it's it's been fun to see like the, the growth and, and – you know, the strides that these guys have been making throughout spring and, and now leading into summer. Sione Finau plays in the middle of the season before in a tour in ACL, but he averaged six yards a carry and had, uh, you know, 69 yards plus in the last four games for him. Is he back from a uh, ACL? Is he good to go for the season? Um, It's kind of up in the air as of now. I mean, those, those so many people, they, they heal differently and, and guys – I mean, with with modern day medicine and, and physical therapy and everything like that, you see guys come back in six, seven months. Other guys, it takes nine. Some people, it takes a year. Um, right now, he is on track to make it. Hopefully, at the beginning of the season. But it's, I mean, you know, you never know. It's, it's hard to tell. And I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to sit here and act like I I know a ton. But just following up with him and, and keeping tabs on him and talking with him and the trainers and stuff. They, they said he's been working his butt off and he's, he's, he's getting better and better each, each week. And um, they think he's a little bit further along than what they expected the timeline. But I, um, I kind of go in with the, what do you want to say? It, hoping for the best, but expecting the worst, I guess, which I don't know if I should do that, but. If if he comes back early, then I'm like, all right, great. But if not, then we're we're playing it safe and you know trying to manage it that way. Harvey, eleven weeks away from a potential start to the college football season, the depth chart is always an interesting conversation. 
We all want to know who's going to be the starter, who's going to be the number two guy. So, so just you, tell us now. When do you begin to zero <laughs> in on that balance and having your depth chart solidified? Um, honestly, I like for from college and then playing after college. Majority of the time, those depth charts, unless you've got a, a guy that's been the guy previously, I'd say you know, middle of fall camp. Um, usually you can kind of tell who, who the guy is going to be, but um, it, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it could change. It could change any week. It could change any day. Um, and obviously knock on wood, like injuries happen all the time. You pray that they don't, but um, yeah, I, w- I would say probably middle of the fall camp. Um, I, you kind of notice a lot of guys start to kind of set their, ones and twos and threes setting up with the quarterbacks and having them take more and more reps with those certain quarterbacks and an offensive line unit and stuff. And so that's, that's kind of what I'm going to go on with this. But I mean, for me, I, I, I think Beanie and Tyler obviously have the most experience out of any of the backs. And to me, those two guys are definitely, you know, the front runners for it. And then, with DHC coming in, we'll, we'll see, you know, where he, where he fits in with, with everything. And, um, I'm not like any other coach. I'm not going to hand anything to anybody. You know, I'll, I'll make sure I want these guys to work for it. I want them to earn it. Um, forgot to earn it when I was here and, and, you know, there, there were some good bats and, um, we, we had some good battles, but I definitely think, you know, if these, these guys will rise to the occasion and, and, We'll we'll make it work. We'll figure something out. I th- I, you know what? I thought I remembered. You just came in and said, "Listen, I know Fui Vakapuna. You're like good, whatever. Uh, I know Manasseh Tonga. You're like good, whatever. But you just came in. And you're like, hey, I just want to stay to Tim. You're like, I'm kind of the guy here. No, you're right. You yep. didn't do that. You didn't do that. Um, no, let- never. <laughs> Let's finish with this. Uh, we've been flashing back some fun plays moments uh, in BYU history with different guys, that, um, and we want to do that with you, specifically the direct snap play in 08 at Utah. Now, this is completely intent to deceive, and it works this year. But the next year, it was called uh, illegal. I think they changed the, the rule, right? So walk, take us back to the 08 play, and you know Max Hall said, like quotes Anchorman to Austin Collie. Like, walk us through that. Yeah, so... I don't know if it was a Utah game that he – well, maybe he did. I, I thought it was the Air Force game that he had quoted Anchorman. Um, the, yeah, the oh, following the, Oh, the next year. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, cause, so it worked against Utah. But I, I do remember, like, during during the week um, when, when we're practicing the play, there was, there was a few times where the snaps were a little sketchy. And we, we thought Coach and I was just going to pull it. We were like, all right, he's not going to call it. It's, it's not looking great. Um, but we, we, we kept practicing, got into it. So then finally in the game, um, we we're down there towards their goal line, ready to score. And I just remember Max calling the play. And I'm, I think, I, what do we call it, 69 hoes? Yeah, uh, 68 hoes. Okay. Um, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, Wait, we're really gonna run this. Um, <laughs> so I'm over there, like, yeah, obviously lined up back behind him. I don't know how far, and I see him just veer off to the right, and he starts yelling. I can't really hear him because we're in the north end zone at Utah. It's loud as heck, um, and 
the whole time I'm like, I'm watching him like flailing his arms, yelling, but I, I forget the ball is going to be snapped without anyone saying said hut. <laughs> like, I'm watching him go over there. And then the corner of my eye, I see the ball snap. And I look and like, luckily I catch it right in time. It was high and too, right? A little bit. It, yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't too bad. I just, yeah, it was dumb of me. I, I, I knew I should have been watching the ball, but yeah, good. I mean, got the snap, took off. And I just remember as soon as Max walks away, I watched like, Paul Kruger and all these defensive linemen just take a knee and they start looking at Max walk away. And right <laughs> as the ball snapped, our O-line just buries everybody. <laughs> and ended up walking in, but it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. It was a good play. A man who has a history of running over Utah players into the end zone, <laughs> Harvey Unga. Yes. Outstanding stuff, man. Hey, uh, we appreciate the update on the running backs group. Uh, always nice to catch up with you. And it's good to see you back in the office. Appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. Always good to see you guys. You got it. Harvey Unga on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. That's great. We're going we're gonna to have to clear up with Max. like what, Because the story is that Max goes over to Austin. And maybe it was the next year, but I thought it was 08. We'll see. And, and he, said, he quotes Jack Black's uh, line in Anchorman where he says, Did you just throw a burrito out your window at me, bro? <laughs> to Austin. And then the snap comes to Harvey and he goes in. <laughs> So random. Like, he's so chill in that moment. By the way, BYU's ranked 14th. Utah's ranked 7th. This is the most epic matchup in BYU football history. They're both in the top 15. And Utah's undefeated. BYU's trying to end that. End that. And BYU only has one loss at the time. And at that point, after Harvey scores, it's still a close game. Unfortunately, the second half happened. Yeah. Maybe BYU had two losses. Yeah, it, it gets out of hand, but hilarious story. Okay, coming up, junior tailback Lopini Katoa continues our running back preview. Plus, our deep blue feature centers on Alex Barcelo, one of those several transfers for Mark Pope. Why did he want to come to BYU, this BYU Sports Nation? This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, Kiki Solano is turning some BYU athletes into Vogue mod- uh, cover models for the Vogue Challenge. Watch it on the BYUSN social media platform. How come we didn't get invited to do that? Well... You could you could fly. No. You're modelish. Okay, tell the truth. Have you ever taken a picture for modeling outside of this? <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> it's time for the Cougar Whip Around. <laughs> it's time for the Cougar Whip Around football. You learn things every day. The D1 NCAA Football Oversight Committee finalizes its summer workout model for the season. July 13th through 23rd, players can participate in up to eight hours a week of conditioning, film review, and weight training. Then July 24th through August 6th, they can add walk on uh, walkthroughs and meetings up to 20 total hours a week. Then uh, August 7th on, uh, they're required to get at least two days off and have a typical five-day acclimation period with up to 25 on-field practices. We are going to have football practice soon. It's all about posture, Jerem. BYU is it, is has it? formed a committee to examine race and inequality at the university. I love this. The purpose of the committee is stated in the following quote. The committee will first prioritize opportunities to better listen to and better understand the experiences of black student athletes, faculty, and staff on campus to help inform uh, adjustments and changes that can assist BYU in being a more safe and welcoming place for BYU's community members of color, end quote. There are currently eight appointed committee members, including Stephanie Perkins of Women's Track. That committee will meet for the first time this week. 
Volleyball. Fury's all-time dig leader, Mary Lake, is named a 2019-2020 West Coast Conference Scholar Athlete of the Year. Recognizing athletes who excel in their sport as well as academics, community service, and have completed their college eligibility. Off the block names Taylor Sander as the best to ever wear number 15 in men's volleyball during the 25-point rally scoring era. That's from 2011 to now. Sander set program records in kills and career races, a two-time MPSF Player of the Year. He also helped the Cougars make an appearance in the NCAA Tournament Finals. His younger brother, Brendan, named an honorable mention on that list. Amen. Golf. Patrick Fishburne returns to the Corn Ferry Tour at the King and Bear Classic in St. Augustine, Florida. Fishburne's one under after day one and is scheduled to tee off for round two this afternoon. Back to you, Spencer, on four. This course is electric. <laughs> this week's Deep Blue feature follows BYU basketball guard Alex Barcelo and his journey from Arizona to BYU. Plus, it reveals how Mark Pope's recruiting process influenced his decision to ultimately decide on Provo. This is Deep Blue. Not everybody knows this, but Alex Barcelo is known as a really tough competitor on the court, but off the court, he's like the softest, nicest human being in the world. So thoughtful and caring. That's like the main thing, I guess, is just how caring he is about everybody around him. Zoe, on the other hand, she's tough now. They're a great couple. They really help each other, and it's been beautiful to get to know both of them. Growing up, my dad was pretty hard on me. He got pretty bad. His dad being his coach from such a young age and always being so involved with his basketball career. And as he got older, Alex kind of wanted to be his own player, but his dad was a little bit controlling sometimes in that aspect, so it did cause some problems. Alex had to look good every time he went out to play. Alex had to be uh, appearance-wise. He had to you know, look the part. And that's one of the things that we always tell you, but you're always being valuable. So in side of some of that stuff, you know, there are some good that Alex has out of that. The problem was that the body can only be broken down so much. Alex did not talk to his dad since he went to U of A. Alex came from our high school, Corona, and, you know, he was an amazing player there and did so well, and then he expected the same thing at U of A, and when he got there and he realized that, you know, he wasn't playing as much as he thought he was going to be playing, and it did have, like, an effect on his confidence. I had some troubles that I went through, just like everyone else does in life, and, uh, you know, I feel like God tested me and, and put me through those things to make me stronger and make me a better person and uh, to, to really know what I value in my life. My decision to, to come here was a blessing in disguise. It was just important that he went because it was such a good opportunity for him, and I just knew that he was going to get the opportunity he deserved here at BYU and be treated the way he deserves to be treated. We're so blessed to have him here at BYU. Missed the three. Zach, offensive rebound. Reset to Marcelo for three. He got it! A.B. for three! He was a latecomer. He entered the portal this summer. As soon as he did, we jumped on it, and recruiting him was not easy. Not everybody knows this, but... We recruited Alex really hard. We recruited Zoe, his girlfriend, even harder. He would uh, call me or FaceTime me and, and ask to talk to her before he wanted to talk to me. <laughs> I did go on Alex's official visit and just meeting Coach Pope, like you could just tell what a great guy he was and it was everything that Alex was looking for and needed. Coach Pope really genuinely cared about Alex and Alex just kept saying like, 
you could just tell he's a good guy. And he talked to some of the other players, and they were all just so happy. And the dynamic on the team was just good and just very different from where he came from at U of A. She really helped us, and he had a tough decision. He had great schools to, to think about, and ultimately chose BYU, and I think he's really happy to be here. Alex thought that it was going to be harder, the transition from Arizona to BYU, just because of, you know, religious aspects and everything. But he did grow up very Catholic, so it wasn't as hard as he thought it was going to be. People were even telling him, like, you know, it is very strict there, and so he was kind of nervous. But when he came here, it wasn't that difficult at all. Guys that fit in here are guys that know three things. They know living up to a standard in some form or fashion. They have that in their personal life. They hold themselves accountable to a certain standard. We recruit guys that understand sacrifice, giving up of their own needs and desires for the well-being of the team and their teammates. And we recruit guys that understand that there's something bigger than themselves. And guys that fit in those three categories, whether they're Mormon or Muslim or Catholic or Protestant or agnostic, they fit in perfectly here at BYU. Down floor, Alex Barcelo, transition three. He got it! Every time he calls me after practice, he's so happy, which is something that I'm not used to. <laughs> Him coming from Arizona, he would come over and he would just be so upset about how practice went. But every day he'll call me and he's just so happy. And he's like, I killed in practice today. And I love playing with these guys. They're so awesome. And he's happy finally he really deserves that what a difference ab has already made and uh, i can't wait to see what he's going to do as part of the abba backcourt with brandon averett another transfer who brings in a wealth of experience he obviously can shoot the three at a very high level and his intensity and his emotion he's born to be a leader Yes, and he was a massive contributor on this team. You had the big three, but you had tremendous role players like Alex Barcelo, like Connor Harding, like Colby Lee, and others. 49% from three is unbelievable, mm. by the way. Ken Palm, number three in the country. And uh, 9.3 a game, 30 steals. He's going to be a starter. He's going to be one of those three seniors. He's the only returning senior on the team, so he is a big-time leader. There are a bunch of shots to be had that are left behind by Jake Toulson, Yoli Childs, and TJ Haas. That percentage may go down a little bit, but uh, <laughs> let's hope the volume of makes goes up. Okay, coming up, is there any question who the best to wear number 32 is? No. Plus, Lopini Cattell, one of those BYU running backs, does he expect to carry the load as the number one back in 2020? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Listen to BYU Sports Nation On Demand. You can download the podcast, Google BYU Sports Nation Podcast, and if you don't mind, subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, our second guest of the day. He is one of the many talented running backs in that BYU room. Lopini Katoa is on Zoom. Lopini, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Glad to be back. So we just talked to your running backs coach, Harvey Unga, uh, a little while ago. Um, so he's off the line now, so don't worry. He's not going to hear this or you, see this. Do you want to know if he said <laughs> if you'll be the starter or not? Or... <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you think of him unfiltered as a running backs coach? So he's not going to see this? <laughs> we no, promise. No. Uh... <laughs> no. 
No, Har- man, there's nothing bad I can say about him. Uh, Harv's the coolest dude, like just person in general, and and his knowledge of the game is is awesome. And so, like, just the short amount of time that we've been able to work with him. Well, really, we've been working with him for a while because he's been around and we've learned from him. But now he's he's you know our coach, um, so it's cool just to get everything from him now. Just uh, now he has the. You know, he's able to open up and, and share everything he knows with us, so it's, it's been a pleasure. How old were you when he was uh, running over fools at BYU? I honestly don't even know because at that time I didn't care much about BYU, but I knew about Harvey Uma. <laughs> like, everybody knows him, and I, I mean, he was just amazing, like one of the greatest running backs ever to come through BYU for sure. What uh, what team did you root for then if you weren't rooting for BYU as a, a kid from – were you in American Fork at the time? I was, like, I was in American Fork when I was like eight years old, but I moved from Texas, so I was always a UT fan. Hmm. And, then Taysom, and, then, and then Taysom Hill jumped over Texas and you yeah. switched allegiances. Yeah, and I burned my burnt orange gear. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's dive into that. So you grew up in Texas. Uh, where in Texas, by the way? Fort Worth is where I was born. Fort Worth, Fort okay. Worth so you weren't a TCU guy. You were a Texas guy. No, Texas, yeah. That was the Vince Young era where mm. I had to be a Texas fan. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, th- those were good times for sure. Then you moved to American Fork. You end up going to American Fork. You play with, what, James Empey in high school, right? Yep. We, put, we played since sixth grade, actually. Mm. So is it, sixth is that, grade all the way through high school. Is that awesome to run behind him still? I mean, and he's, he's pretty good, yeah. man. He's like top ten in the country. Oh yeah, man, he's he's always been like just the hardest worker, most reliable guy, and just like gives you so much confidence running behind a guy like that. And then you end up committing to Oregon State. Was that a was that a Kalani Satake connection since he was there? And then he comes here, you move. Yeah, yeah, that's really how how it was. Kalani was always a you know a guy I trusted, and he trusted me, and we just had a good relationship. So I was. And I was, I wanted to be home anyways, you know, I wanted to be in Utah or my family. So it was perfect when he came here. Man, what a journey. Lopini Katoa with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk about uh, Kalani Satake and uh, his staff. What do you feel like they have done effectively during this pandemic situation to help you guys still gel as a team and get ready to be better in 2020? Um, what I what I've seen and what I really expect about what Kalani did for us, coach did, is just like he he gave us a, a level of trust that he knew like he they weren't micromanaging us, um, but they were giving us enough tools to help us to lead us in the right direction, uh, making sure that we were you know studying what we needed to, but also at the same time trusting us that you know we could get it done, um, and so I think in a lot of ways it enabled us as players to kind of take it to the next level and take responsibility and and really just, like, spread our wings as a, as a player. You know, we want to be a player-ran team. The players are the leaders. And so I think you really enabled us to do that over the break. Last season, during the season, I looked around and I said on the show, what has Lopini Katoa done to not deserve more carries and not deserve more playing time? So uh, last year, looking at, at your season, 5.6 yards uh, a pop. You had a 129-yard receiving game with the 77-yarder the at Utah State. What is it that you feel like you have done and are continuing to work on to get more carries, to get more playing time for this team? 
Yeah, um, I think just, man, I just want to be able to to go and just not, not be able, like, not come off the field at all through staying healthy and just just being able to be reliable in any situation. Um, I feel like I don't, I don't know, like the main things, the main reasons why, but I, I know that I'm doing everything I can right now to be able to to carry the load um, if I need to. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I'm working on my speed and everything, like my vision, strength, um, just to, to be on the field at all times, if, if possible, you know. Uh, Jamal Willis is, uh, you know, runs Cutback Elite, and he sends out a lot of posts. So we see you in the cones a lot, man. Is is how does <laughs> how does that benefit you? Because there there are people who are like, this doesn't translate to the game. So what what helps you in doing yeah. that? Uh, I think. Uh, there's I mean there's endless things you can do to get better and and with Jamal I feel like he trains really unnatural uh, movements that running backs have to do that a lot of people don't understand like Hmm. which Jamal understands because he was there and he did it you have to make a lot of cuts in in a small a small area you know the phone booth you know what I'm saying like so I think working with Jamal is is interesting because a lot of his drills are unlike any others um, but it's because he's been there and he knows what you need at that position. So it's really it's really cool working with Jamal. That makes sense. Lopini, clearly you are fine-tuning your craft and, as you said, doing everything you can to be the guy that carries the load for BYU football at running back. Of all the things you just talked about, where do you feel like you have made the biggest stride and which aspect of your game have you improved the most over the last six months? Um, I think, aside from, like, I feel like I've gotten faster, stronger, but I think the biggest thing is just knowing the offense. I think mentally I'm I'm more ahead than I was ever. Um, I feel like I know the offense as a whole, and I feel like I contribute in more ways by having that knowledge, you know, knowing what the receivers are doing, knowing what the linemen are doing. Um, and I feel like overall I'll be able to contribute um, in the backfield, running routes, whatever it may be. But I think just my knowledge is, is the biggest thing that's improved. Certainly expectations are higher for what you guys hope to do than generally what, say, the fans or what Vegas is saying after a couple of seasons of, uh, you know, seven and seven wins. Yet the other day I I looked at the roster and and Spencer and I were talking, there's a ton of upperclassmen coming back that have a ton of experience that are expected to start. So I thought, why wouldn't we expect this team to win at least eight, right? So how do you feel about the makeup of this team and, and perhaps what that experience could lend in terms of wins? Yeah, I, I've, I'm excited about this year. Like you said, we have a lot of experience, um, a lot of guys that are returning, and I feel like we're we're catching our stride. Like I feel like we are like coming together, and I feel like it's going to be a big season, um, however that season is or whatever it starts. That doesn't matter. We're just getting prepared, and then I feel like we can have a great year. Lopini, uh, before we go, I have to ask, when you watch film with Harvey Unga, uh, what percentage of the highlights are of him at BYU? <laughs> <laughs> he actually just shows his tapes only. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, he basically just says, do everything I did besides uh, ball security. And then <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great stuff. Uh, Peeny. Oh. No, he's the most humble guy ever. I don't, I don't think he's ever shown us a clip of him, honestly. Interesting. 
Have, have you played basketball with him, by the way? Yeah, one time. He's good. And he was he was going about twenty percent, and still one of the best players on the <laughs> on the court. So the best player. I, I've guarded him. I'm like, I really hope it takes he takes it easy, and he does. He's very nice. <laughs> He's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty great to catch up with you, man. Appreciate it. You too. You stay healthy and safe, all right? Sir. Talk to you guys later. All righty. Lopini Cato on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Lopini's one of the most chill dudes on the team. There are a lot of, you know, guys that are, are would be good hangs. You know, that personality question, one of our students that used to work here would be like, okay, would you rather go camping with this person or this person? And I was like, that's such a great question because <laughs> you're isolated and you're just hanging out. Lopini Cato is one of those dudes that would be a good hang. He'd yeah. be a good camp out. Float hang the Provo out. River. Yeah. Hang out up it's the like, canyon. Yeah. yeah, man. That's great. It's true. Love it. Coming up. A warm rising shadow. And maybe the easiest, best to wear it ever. Number 32. I wonder who it's going to be. This is BYU Sports Nation. Better not be certain someone. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. As we continue with your daily reminder, the show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Now for the most anticlimactic, best to wear it we will ever reveal. We're counting up to 99, one number each show, and determining the best athlete to wear each digit at BYU. Today, it's number 32. It's James Taft Fredette, a.k.a. the Jimmer, the second leading scorer in BYU history. He was the all-time leading scorer when he left school. Led the nation in points with 1,068 in 2010-11, which is the 11th most in a season in D1 history. Perhaps I've called him the greatest missionary in the history of the church because of what he did when technology happened. Happened so, opened so many doors. Fantastic. Uh, most His life is amazing, Jeremy. Yes, it is, TJ Fredette. Uh, most threes in BYU history. Uh, second most free throws. Fifth in assists and steals. Uh, six 40-point games. 24 30-point games. I mean, just National Player of the Year in 2011. What can on, we say about Jimmer? We love Jimmer. And it was fun to get to know him as the sideline reporter during his career here and go to Glens Falls twice and... Uh, Get to know the family and everything. So Jimmer's awesome. We love Jimmer. Lottery pick into the NBA. Well, little known fact with the Bucks, with the Milwaukee Bucks at then he's number ten. Then to the Kings, and then he plays with several other teams. And then his general manager and head coach are fired like ten games yeah. into the season. Yeah, and uh, he goes to China, and he was in the G League, and and Panathinaikos in Greece. MVP. And, yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. Well, we would be remiss not to mention. The honorable mention at number 32. There's no need to mention any honorable mentions of number 32. Guys, what is this? Guys, guys, they gave it it to Jimmer. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing here? Hello, Dennis. Dennis, what are you you doing here? I hope you're happy, Jerem. Now my kids' day is ruined. Dennis's kids, Jimmer was better than your dad. Wow. Don't get out of the room. I don't, yeah. Earmuffs. I don't want you to hear this. Dennis, Dennis, Dennis I did My kids were all excited for me. I thought this was going to be the day we had prepared signs and balloons. And I mean, gave it to J- Jimmer. I'm sorry. They're really? disappointed again. Yeah. Uh, I did Jimmer. look in the NCAA record book. You still hold the record for most yards by a tight end ever. You had receptions. Someone passed you, but you still have yards. That's awesome. Oh, really? Yeah, thanks. So, let's see. I was a consensus All-American. I hold virtually every tight end record for BYU. Mm -hmm. I hold an NCAA record, like you mentioned, for most yards by a tight end ever in a career. 
Um, let's yeah. see what else. Oh, I don't know. It's not good. I, enough. Uh, lost Super Bowl. Got <laughs> <laughs> a touchdown in inside Super Bowl. That's an interesting finger to wear it on too. Lost catches by a Ravens tight end in a season in the Ravens history. But yeah, let's give it to a guy named Jimmer because Kevin Durant tweeted about him or whatever. I, mean, I don't know. Is that, is that your only criteria for the award, apparently? Yeah. If only you had won National Player of the Year, Dennis. Hey, you know, D- Dennis, listen, for the record, I, I was trying, I was trying to give Jerem. you love. Spencer, I expected this from Jimmer. I was trying to give you love. <laughs> I thought this was going to be the day where we put all of our beef aside. We're able to celebrate me as a player. And we just move on from all this, but you know what? The divide is just greater. It's 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 as great as it's ever been. And oh. well, not only am I disappointed, my kids are disappointed. Dennis, you know, we gotta go. We hero. have a minute left in the show. We'll, we gotta leave. We'll figure this out. A hero. We'll figure and this now out. They're walking off. They don't even know who Jimmer is. They've never heard. Ben, of the name cut him off. We gotta go. <laughs> Dennis. <laughs> Our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort about BYU basketball. Hey, are they going to have a better team next year? Um, to summarize, uh, he says, <laughs> I think this team's going to be very different, uh, but the depth is amazing. It's going to be hard to find playing time for everyone. They might be. Hey, our rising shout-out, Jerem. I want to give it to Mark Peterson. Absolutely. Who is an inmate in a Utah prison and a huge BYU fan and uh, – in a very tough situation, he's chosen to serve others and show kindness and love. He literally made us this blanket, and it is legit. Oh, that's Look fantastic. That. He made this. Mark, thank in you prison, so much. no less. That's amazing. We thank love you. and appreciate you, brother. Thank that's, you. That is so cool. So thank you for that. And our thanks to today's guests, Harvey Unga and Lafini Catella. And, and Dustin Pitta. I'm sorry that we had time for him. That's my <laughs> bad, I guess. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Corby East and watch tomorrow for our BYU Sports Nation special, the BYU Football All-Decade Team. Go Coops! In an old house in Paris, 